Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. It's always tough after a defeat to the English, but don't worry, we're here to help you through it. Uh, coming up in this episode, we'll be looking at what was one of the worst TMO decisions of all time. We'll be seeing if Wales were unlucky or should have closed the game out anyway. And we'll also examine just why Eddie Jones and Mike Brown are so damn annoying. No Dan Killick again this week, so instead I catch up with a couple of great guests. In part one for Fact or Fiction, we talk to old friend of the podcast and top journalist. It's West Wales' finest, Yestin George. And in part two, to talk about Sinbin and any other business, I had a good chat to edrive.co.uk's editor-in-chief, Craig Muncy. Before we get underway, uh, a couple of quick thank yous. Firstly, as always, our sponsors, So Coffee Trades, the fine coffee company set up by Scott Otten, the Osprey's hooker. Hopefully we'll catch up with Scott next week. Uh, but in the meantime, if you want to try some, head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk uh, to see what all the fuss is about. And also, I'm keen to chat to Scott and find out if that's the secret of his blistering pace. Anyone who watched the Osprey's game over the weekend will... Um, We've seen, uh, seen that in action, so yeah, do make sure you head over there and find out. And secondly, a massive thank you to you, the listener. So we had our best ever listener figures for the Scotland Review episode, and as you probably know, we're just a set of fans who get together to talk about Welsh rugby because it's the game and the, and the country that we love. We don't get paid to do it, we do it because we hope you'll find it fun or interesting or, or funny. So when you get those figures and the, the nice feedback we've had all week, it really makes it all worthwhile. So a massive thank you to, the, to everyone who's been tuning in. Uh, and keep listening to the Attacking Scrum. Tell your mates in the clubhouse, on the terraces or in the pub, uh, or leave us a review on iTunes. I know I bang on about that a lot, but it helps massively. And, and make sure you follow us on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. Uh, join our Facebook group uh, by searching for Wales Rugby Fans. That's proved really, really popular. I had loads of requests to that, which is great to see. And we've also got the Facebook page, uh, which you can find by searching on Attacking Scrum as well. In the meantime, thank you very much uh, for listening. first part of the show is fact or fiction, where we'll be having a look at five different statements and deciding uh, whether they are indeed the truth or a fabrication. And joining me to do this, long-time friend of the show, it's Yestin George. How are you doing, Yestin? I'm okay, actually, considering. Yeah, that's it. Well, yeah, you must be doing better than uh, you must be doing better than Dan Killick because he's he's not managed to make it for this show, which is a shame. I guess that makes you the the Gareth Anscombe to his Lee Halfpenny. I know, and it's been an odd few weeks in that on that front, isn't it? That people, you know, people who we were. I'm not suggesting, Jed, that you thought me thought of me as like a third choice, a reluctant <laughs> third choice, but suddenly become a vital part. A vital component of the whole thing. But this is it. Yeah, I, I still, I'm still carrying the guilt from my Lee Halfpenny guilt, really, after the other the other wow. weekend. I think we all, are, I think we all are a little, but um, yeah, ex- exactly. It's it's a bit different, but yeah, I suppose that's it. And that Dan is probably Lee Halfpenny's biggest fan, and he mentions his defensive positioning uh, at any at any given moment. 
whenever he's struggling for a for a word, he, he seems to mention it. But yeah, let's uh, let's put you in the in the Anscombe shoes. Yeah, uh, for the happy to be there. <laughs> so let's say fact or fiction. We'll go through five different statements, and uh, we'll debate whether they're the truth or uh, or nonsense. And I'm going to start with this one. You may award the try, fact or fiction. <laughs> Honestly, it's just desperate, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, 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 you know, it, it, it's almost. I'm trying to take myself to another place where it doesn't matter, and that, you know, that that Steph Evans's finger touched mm. and the fragments and the whether the all of that stuff. Um, I'm trying to just almost just forget about that and say it wasn't a try and it's okay it wasn't a try in re- in the real world and therefore I'm accepting that which is a very rare thing indeed so it's difficult what am I going to say fact I'm going to say fiction um I know uh, you've you seem like you've gone very meta on this like it's oh uh... totally yeah because <laughs> I, I, no I have because there's, there are, you know, debate talking about it long into the night, and the idea of would it have changed things? Well, of course, you know, it's of course it would have changed something. I don't know what, um, but we still had that. We still had the capacity to win in the second half anyway, so it wasn't all hinging on that. I don't like those photographs in the paper that, you know, unequivocal yeah. proof. And then somebody comes up with the smart, you know, a, a counter argument saying that Steph had actually touched it and all this yeah. kind of stuff. I saw, so, a really, I saw a really awful one today that was doing the rounds on social media, which appears to show Dylan Hartley spitting at, at Gareth Davis. And then you see it from the side angle and he's a good two feet away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no... There's no um, if if it was awarding uh, Mike Brown the most objectionable person award, not necessarily the man as well as the man of the match, mm. then I think you, the referee could have rightly awarded him that accolade, just for the getting dicked on the outside by, um, and and then being saved, having his bacon saved by Underhill's tackle, and then having the audacity to run back and kind of like bray into scott williams's face do you know what that's the, that's a good point actually because i hadn't even fa- i was thinking about you know there's so much been said oh, i was unsportsmanly behavior but the most important thing is he got absolutely done i mean it was there wasn't a lot of room it wasn't like oh help yourself yeah. he literally just totally gave him a free run there there we are. Um, so, what, what's the answer then? Um, so, well, this I'm is, happy this is to. It. I'm happy. I'll go with the referee's decision, and I'll just, <laughs> oh. and, I, and I'll just, I'll just chalk it down as, oh. you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and and just leave it at that. And I don't care about whether he'd got a, whether he travelled business class from New Zealand or any of those things, and you had one job and all that kind of stuff. I'm not bothered. Not bothered. Really. Okay, uh, do you know what? I'm going to have to go for the counter-argument there because I just, you know, regardless, wh- whichever side was on the receiving end of that decision, how you can look at that and say it's not a try is beyond me. Now, look, if he had said, look, there is a, 
there's a fractional touch of Steph Evans's finger. Therefore, uh, yeah. it's a knock-on. You can't award the try. Fine. Once you've gone to grounding, like it's how many tries have you seen where there's an absolute feather of a touch, and mm-hmm. you know you, you'd have to get snicker snickometer out to to even register it that are given, and then for that not to be given, I think is is absolute madness. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight the uh, the angry young man, or not so young man, but the angry <laughs> man camp. Um, I feel I feel the spirit of Dan Kinnock is just is over, overwhelming me, and I almost want to agree with you now. <laughs> but, I was going to say normally when you and I, when you and I get together, it's an overly melancholic maudlin affair. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that must be it. There must be some kind of ghost of Dan Killick's optimism. But I mean, you're, you're quite right though in the sense that there was enough opportunities to win that game, regardless. And I always yeah. said the same thing with the with the Warburton decision in the the semi final of the yeah the World Cup while we're still opening up wounds we should have won that game because Steve Jones should have kicked his kicks and as should James Hook in the first half and we should have had a, a drop goal at a, a reasonable angle so you're right you you do have these, the destiny in your own hands don't you? Yeah and I'm afraid so and, and it it was just an, it was great that they they were just they managed to show so much character and scramble scramble their way back you know, by hook or by crook into the game, you know, I think, you know, I just think that's genuinely, it, it felt like 2008 in mm. the, you know, uh, that we, it felt like we'd, we'd, um, we'd got away relatively lightly after 40 minutes, but there we are. I think you're right, but that's a, it probably leads us on nicely to this, to this next point with regards to uh, having the opportunity to win the game and, Putting refereeing and TMO decisions to one side, the next statement is this. Wales' decision-making cost them the game, fact or fiction? I'm going to go with fiction on this. Okay. Do you want to, do, do you want to mount the argument? Yeah, uh, I've, got, the I've got fact lined up on this one, actually. Um, okay. I think that there's a number of different things. First of all, the kicking game simply wasn't working, and we had to... Mm. We had to to change things and start putting the ball into into touch a lot sooner than we did because for all of his odious character characteristics, Mike Brown was gobbling up those balls mm. left, right and centre and it, we just got no change out of it. And to be honest, there were, there were points in that game where I thought they were going to run away with it and I think a lot of that came down to, uh, came down to the decision-making. Now, I know that a change to the, to the back three, particularly when the conditions are like that was was always going to be a a difficult one but I just think the ability to adapt during the game um meant that you know it, it did show that that kind of that lack of flexibility so whether that was coming from the stands or coming from the players on the pitch we had to we had to start booting the booting the ball out because I think our set piece went well actually you had Shingler stealing a crucial one off one of Jamie George's throws um I think we'd have put more pressure on them at set piece than we would have um, by just letting them letting them run the ball back. And if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna kick the ball like that, and whether it be from from ten, fifteen, or from a box kick, you've got to you've got to be a lot more accurate than that. And for all the talk of Wigglesworth, Danny Care showed how you box kick. Yeah. No, there's a lot of there's a, you you talk sense, and uh, it's hard to disagree with you. But I'm going to anyway. Um, <laughs> I I just I genuinely think that Wales were unable to have the time and space to actually 
put anything ro remotely like um, a pattern of play together. I think they were fighting for survival in the in the first 40 minutes, and the the, the you're right, the executions were poor, and I think you know you just have to. It's that classic thing of sometimes you're going to struggle to perform to your ability when you're under such heavy such such huge pressure and I, I it's not like oh eddie was right all along then no it's not that it's just that england are good and it was it was all you know it what i like obviously and what we all admire however reluctantly about gatlin's teams is that throughout the years he's always just got them to hang in there mm. until something till they found something and they found some rhythm and you know even with the scarlets around before christmas i remember a couple of games where they didn't really look like they were at the races in the way that we the ridiculously high standard that we'd become used to and blase yeah why don't you just <laughs> yeah you know it's 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 a lot to ask and i just I, I, it's not an, it's not a condemnation of the players, but put under pressure, Gareth Davis' box kicking isn't the best in the world. Well, that's you know so, um, and it was the kicking was poor, but I think they were just under too much pressure to be able to execute the the game, any kind of game plan. They were just um, they were just fighting for survival. I go off on a quick tangent there because it's a, an interesting point you mentioned about. I suppose the resilience of of Warren Gatland's sides. Um, just kind of taking stock after you know after two games, two very very different performances. But I think both of them had their merits. While the first game against Scotland had the kind of had the sparkling rugby we've been longing for for so long, I think you're right that the game yesterday did show that there's still that that kind of scrapping ability never say die kind of attitude within there you think you know if we're able to combine those two things the first two games would suggest that Wales are at last kind of moving in the right direction well it's it's hard not to think that it's nearly there you know the combination is nearly there it, it, it I think it's um, you know they're, they're possibly I don't know, a, a world-class second-row partner or a, an amazing an amazing tight-head prop who's pushing Samson all the way, mm. away from being the, the, the complete unit in the front five. And you can't really argue with what is, what's happened in, in the back row, and there's plenty more to come, you know. So, I, I, yeah, it's, it's really odd. I... I felt deflated yesterday and felt it was a missed opportunity but at the same time it's not I don't think it's just sort of just some sort of consolation talk I just think it did show a lot of really of of strong qualities because you know there are going to be times when you just you don't play that well and you can't you know you again it's the balance of um it's the balance of half penny looks good in a in a in a certain when you're not expected you're not 
forcing him to be the creative yeah. a creative player from 15 so if he's just so if you've got other creative players around it it, it works so the balance seems to be nearly right and and the determination's definitely still there without question well, we're going to come on to team selection and kind of who who slots in where a little bit later on but just to kind of finish on yesterday's game we want to debate the the third statement, which is this. That game played in dry conditions and Wales would have won, fact or fiction? Uh, my instinct, I was going to say fact before you even finished <laughs> the sentence, because I just convinced myself with, uh, that that was the case. But they're quite good, aren't they, Johnny May and those fast, quick lads out there. Yeah. And Joseph, Joseph's, Joseph's uh, no slouch either. I'm gonna, I'm so, gonna, I've got to ask you this quickly. Right, it seemed as though he was brought back into the team, particularly to, to try and negate some of our backs, in particular Patchell, because he's outstanding defensively as well. Mm. But then, why the hell was Tio picked the week before? I don't, I don't understand that. Was it? Was he trying to get some some rugby under his belt, or does Jones not fancy Joseph? I think, I think uh, Jones is thinking, who, who would, who would I pick if I was playing? It's almost who, would, who would, who would I pick if I was playing New Zealand every week? Mm. Who, who am I going to pick in the World Cup final? In his, he's sitting there now. Just, he's got like a little. He's got a little table in his bedroom where he goes off and he sits there and he moves all these Sabutio players around and he's trying to be a commentator and uh, and and he's always got he's always, Ben Teo's always in that team, isn't he? I think. Yeah. He's obviously. Strange. It's funny. It's, it's he's either that or Teo's got something over Gatland and. Eddie Jones and uh, some sort of terrible secret that we needn't, we don't want to even think about. It doesn't bear thinking about actually, does it? I think we better bring it back to. We better I've, bring it I've back got to a weird. Quite can, I, can I add another fact of fiction, just momentarily, yeah, so it won't on. take forever? Um, uh, here's the uh, Warren Gatlin proved that he's a better coach than Eddie Jones because of Wales' second half performance. Ooh. Um, wow, that's big. Conclusively, it's like conclusively, conclusively proved. proved. All right, if it's conclusively, I would say fiction. Um, just, but again, this this is almost like a bit of a role reversal because normally I'm I'm being kind of I'm the one who, who tries to defend Gatland a bit, which is never a particularly fashionable thing, and you're the one who's who's berating uh, who's berating the style of rugby they're playing. But yeah. Um, no, like I, I don't think he is, because for for the the oh god, this is tough though. Look, they're both they're both, I think, world class coaches. They know how to galvanise sides. They know how to get them. They know how to get them ready. I think again, it's so difficult to compare because the the players are at their disposal. You know, England just have that much more strength and depth than we do. Um, I don't know. I think I think James probably does still. Edge it a little, doesn't he? Um, I just think I just think that they didn't um, kick on, yeah. and I'm, I was really surprised. And I, I'm, you have to give the players the, <laughs> the credit for that. Yeah. Um, but 
but I, I was just really surprised. And I think that he, he would have been, Jones would have been sli felt slightly embarrassed. And in that quiet little room of his with his little Sabutio players, he might well have thought, I, I might, he might just have had a tiny moment of self doubt. Do you think he's, he do you think he's looking at himself in the mirror and yeah. saying, yeah, you are strong, you are a warrior? You know, yeah, he's bigging himself. All you need to do is grow a, a beard, and um, yeah. So, so <laughs> I don't know. I just I, I like the I, thought that he will turn up at the next press conference with a white beard and, beard, yeah. and white hair, like like Leland Palmer in Twin Peaks, where his hair just goes white <laughs> overnight. Yeah, that's a brilliant. What a brilliant cultural reference. That's reference of the night there. I think. <laughs> well done. <laughs> no, that's. I think so. I think that could happen. And then. Um, and then you know, the other thing, obviously, is uh, the first Lions, you know, as he talked himself out of the Lions job yeah. with that. That's the other thing. But anyway, we won't dwell on that for now. We won't. All right, then let's, right, let's just quickly get a, uh, yeah. get a conclusion on that one then. If that game was dry, would Wales have won it? I would say fiction, just just because not, not, not that they... they would not have had a chance of winning, but I, I think that it, it was more of a leveller than um, I think, you know, England would have had just as much chance to, but they didn't get any galloping forwards, um, apart from obviously Launchbury's uh, piece of absolute genius um, aside, there wasn't a lot of offloading among their, among their forwards, yeah. um, but I just would have thought that Simmons would have been very dangerous he looks like a south african number eight to me you know one of those really athletic kind of you know yeah. like piece who could just run ryan kankowski who could yeah, yeah. Have such amazing speed on the um you know yeah. all about those players who thrive on the high belt you know it's he, he looks like one of those to me he's a he's a freak of yeah. an athlete i think yeah but unfortunately they're all playing for ireland now anyway aren't they so that's <laughs> How many were there? Seven? Was there nine? <laughs> Playing for Ireland yesterday? Oh, I exaggerate. All oh, right, well, let's go no, with it anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's it, and uh, yeah, I won't have anything bad to say about Hadley Parks either. Right, no. let's, let's move on quickly. Um, okay. Right then, um, let's go for this one next. Spoken about the kicking game a lot. And uh, we've drawn parallels between yourself and Gareth Anscombe. So let's go with this one. Gareth mm. Anscombe should start at number 10 against Ireland. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Um, you can't, you know, patches. Uh, I think we know now. I think, I think we kind of instinctively thought that's why we were all kind of uh, holding our handbags up to our up to our um, chins in horror when um when when you know when there were unkind things being said about him before the game is that we all i think we all wonder about um his kind of you know whether he's going to be until he can be mr consistent i think yeah. you can't again you just if you if if you have a more complicated ambition it's harder to be <laughs> consistent. Well, you can't have you can't have steady Eddie and and um, creative genius in the same package. I don't think you know. And obviously, the, there are some rugby players who come along 
once in a generation who um who prove that you know that that um that can be the case but not many and I think Pedro just needs just give him, give him the games and if he shows two three four games in a row that he's that he's going backwards then you have to take a, take action on that but uh, I think you just play you know England closed him off Ireland will try and do the same but you know he's proved that he can he can do it and um you know he's he definitely deserves another chance without a doubt okay i see i think it's a horses for courses thing and i you know i love to watch him patch against scotland and mm. doing what he does so well on the you know when you get some front football and ultimately look, that was the difference in the two games wasn't it we were starved of front football against england and we had it in abundance against Scotland, and yeah. and that was that was really the difference, I think. But um, at the same time, I I don't know. I I think that the game against Ireland is going to be quite similar. It's going to be a tough battle up front. I think it could be a bit of an arm wrestle. You know, they mm. they will kick the leather off the ball. Um, make no you know make no bones about it. And so I just wonder whether perhaps Anscombe might offer you that bit more control. Um, at ten enabling you to kind of bring Patchell in as a second playmaker into the line. I don't know, I, do, I think yesterday just reaffirmed to me what I was banging on about before the tournament, that I think he is a 15. I think Patchell's a wonderful 15. But as soon as Halfpenny's fit, you know, I don't think he's he's going to get a look in there, but I would still be looking at it. I think you need a, and you could have a really fluid back three with Halfpenny on the wing, Patchell at fullback, uh, Steph Evans, uh, or Liam Williams or George North, or whoever you decide to pick on the other. And I think that they can all work together and you, you still benefit from Halfpenny's defensive qualities and you still also have that counter-attacking ball-playing threat that is Rhys Patchell. Um, I'm really keen to see when Bigger's fit. I'm keen to see if you could fit Patchell and Bigger into the same lineup. Yeah, I was going to suggest to you, what would you do if all three were, f- if all three were available for selection? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you... What would you do against Ireland? Because I think you're, I think you're, hang on, I think you're spot on, and I, I'm just not very good at the horses for courses thing. I, really? I just, well, only because I just worry about players who, who are picked and then not picked, and you know, and whether that has any effect on them, you know, and whether it indicates something, and whether it, you know, with it was not a problem with, was it with? Um, O'Gara, you know, uh, and it's, you know, uh, there are plenty of teams who have demonstrated that they play different tens for different mm. uh, different get times. Uh, it would just strikes me as uh, I. It feels that Gatland isn't totally secure with him. It sounded no, it and yesterday it sounded a little bit. He didn't. He was. Yeah, he didn't sound particularly. <laughs> enthusiastic about no, it. I think the fact that he, he pulled he pulled Patchell and moved Adams to 15 mm. rather than just, you know, because there was no 15 cover on the bench, rather than just switching Antoine and Patchell, that, that definitely seemed like an indicator to me. But I do think he's one of those players that you have to look at and say, right, we need him in the team somewhere. And I think some days he'll do a fantastic job for you at 10. And other days I think you know, I think kind of coming in from yeah. from fifteen, he can cause you um, he can cause the opposition a, a lot of damage there. 
So would you say France, Patchel? Yes. Yeah. And you'd say, you'd say but Ireland. Then also, but then also went bigger will be fit for the France game. So but he may be, he may be also fit for the next for yeah, the Ireland game. He might be. I'd, I'd be surprised. And if that is the case, then I'd render this one completely redundant and I'd pick bigger at 10. Right. Okay. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's been a huge amount of write-up about Gareth Anscombe today and I thought he played very well. Um, there's still a couple of really, you know, simple errors in there, a couple of daft knock-ons and, yeah. and stuff. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be fully convinced with him. Um, I'm not. But I know I'm, I'm not, not sitting I'm in the never, minority now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, but I, it's not because I don't think he's good. I just think he hasn't had a full season of mm. rugby. And if he has a full season of rugby, we'll be able to think, is he, you know, that he's... Um, that he's really worth, you know, he's worth all that investment in him, you know, which is another another piece of added pressure. I know it seems ridiculous, really, now because he's been around long enough. Yeah, I, I can't, I just can't figure out with either of them whether they're tens or fifteens, and um, I think Patchell's Patchell for me, I think I'm airing towards him being a fifteen, and Anscombe, I'm, I'm still not sure because I, I would have said prior to yesterday fifteen, but he played his best rugby at ten yesterday. And he looked quite really happy in a heat of yeah. battle situation, but then the game had break, broken up quite a lot. But um, but it was, you know, that was more of the super rugby expert that we thought when he came over, I guess, to a certain extent. That is true. All right, let's go. Let's move on to the last one. Okay. And again, it relates to selection. We've touched on a couple of these things already, but the statement is this. The... Backup players for Wales have done very, very well, but the first string of North, Liam Williams, Halfpenny, etc., should come straight back into the starting lineup for the Ireland game. I think it's a horses for courses situation, really, Chad. <laughs> no, um, in the, I, 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 um, in the back row, I would probably concede. Mori- concede Moriarty and the others you'd have to I'd have to have a I'd have an arm wrestle with you over yeah um I wouldn't I don't I think I just cannot I cannot love Aaron Swingler enough as you yeah. know but Navidi's rapidly you know turning into the my my new my new Aaron yeah. you know it's um, he remarkable. Just he just continues to uh, to find more and more, doesn't he? Really, and you know, I thought he had a, I thought he had a once in a lifetime game against New Zealand in the autumn. I thought, you know, fair play, you've proven you can you can go yeah. at it. You know, almost like a bit of a Rocky Balboa type moment where you think, oh yeah, he's you know he's he's given um, he's given Apollo Creed a good fight, but that'll pro- that'll probably be it. And It'll like Rocky, he keeps he keeps coming back and finding and, and, and finding I think more. he. I think he had again through the haze of um, Harvey's bitter in Hove RFC yesterday. It's I might, a great point, I might by be, the way, that really is. It is, yeah. I might, I might be making this up, but it just felt like he had at least another two sort of turnovers that just didn't go our way, and I felt that Gosset was a bit slow on the on yeah. the uptake a couple of times. He seemed to have an entire. When he, he gripped, he seemed to have got his mitts on the ball and then took the whole rack, uh, sort of moved it 
it it was like there were seven people that appeared to be latched onto various body parts and he he was right at the heart of it yesterday but there we are um but he's been amazing so no back for changes uh back three you have to you have you, you know depending on what you're doing in the middle of the park or at 10 you have to play half penny mm. um if you play bigger why not play liam at 50 um but that's just that's the old the old favourite, isn't it? Really, it, it is. Never it's gets done. Is is Liam Williams enough of a? I know he offers an amazing counter attack, but does he pass the ball enough for a fifteen? Are you are you making brown esque allegations? Well, I mean, I don't think anyone's in. I don't think anyone's in that in that regard. And that was the biggest crime of yesterday. Is that Wales' kicking game made Mike Brown look that good? Because he's just he's he's fine in the air, but yeah. I wouldn't take him ahead of I wouldn't take I wouldn't take Mike Brown ahead of Halfpenny, ahead of Liam Williams, ahead of Rhys Patchell. I'm just not I'm just not I wouldn't take him ahead of uh, Watson who they've got on the wing. Dan Evans. Not, Dan Evans, yeah, Dan Evans. I wouldn't take him ahead of Mike Rea. I'm just not <laughs> now. I'm just not that arsed on him at all. Um, what, I'm, what I'm really looking forward to is Eddie Jones not taking him on the Lions tour and then having to, then Mike Brown playing playing the audio clip of him having a go at Chris Jones going on about 23 games in a row and you lot are the etc etc. Yeah. What a what a funny little outburst that was. But really um, strange. And um, and uh, and then Mike sitting at home throughout the summer playing that every time he gets. But maybe it'll, it'll be his. Um, his mobile, you know, it'll be his, uh, yeah, his ringtone. ringtone, possibly. That's it. But there we are. Um, I don't have any problems with this. I don't know. I'm, I'm happy with Liam. I, I, and, until I'm proved, proved wrong. Um, I, no, I don't care, but I think he, I think he can, he, he knows when, where, when there's a pass on, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just something, I don't know, maybe in the autumn, um, he was guilty a little bit of. He was. I, yeah. I think maybe of just being almost the the victim of his own success as what as you know what he'd achieved during the yeah. um, during the Lions tour and kind of felt he had to do it all himself. I'm playing devil's advocate there a bit, but um, I, don't know, I, I felt think, I he think, was isolated a lot the yeah. time that when he was he definitely yeah, he didn't break the first tackle as often as he had done previously and as a result got quite isolated. But I think you know. In, he, he, he likes a little wrestle on the ground as well, doesn't he? So he's not, you know, he's he's quite sensible in that way. Not like the French shots that have today. He was boxy, passing the ball like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> Hospitals left, right, and centre to his uh, to his teammates. But um, no, I I don't have any worries about him there. But I, it it feels it feels right if Patchell is playing ten for. Half penny to play fifteen, but you know they know a lot more than um, you know. But the but uh, it, it, and it would make sense for for Liam to play if bigger was ten. That's what I. That's my rather uninformed view of things. All right, yes, Tim. Well, I'm sure. Look, well, I'm sure we'll we'll be chatting to you throughout the rest of the Six Nations as well. But thanks very much for uh, for filling in. And doing uh, doing your Gareth Anscombe impression this afternoon. Yeah, and, uh, it's been a privilege. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you very very soon. Magic. Cheers, mate. Thank you.
The second part of the show is Sinbin, where we get an opportunity to throw some of the things that have been annoying us into uh, our fictional version of, uh, of Rugby's Room 101. And I'm delighted to say that joining me to do that uh, is Craig Muncie, the editor-in-chief of adrag.co.uk. How are you doing, Craig? Very well, thanks, Chad. How's yourself? Yes, I'm all right. Just, it's always a stinger, isn't it? It always ruins your weekend uh, when Wales lose, but particularly against England. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, so close yet so far. You know, a few decisions, a few wrong decisions made by us. Also, the TMO, obviously, which I'm sure we'll uh, cover off at some point. <laughs> how did, yeah, yeah, how did you know? Um, <laughs> what a guess, eh? I think I said, you know, some, sometimes for uh, for Sinbin, you know, normally I've got one up my sleeve because I'm a bit of a miserable bugger. Uh, but our, our usual co-host Dan Killick is scratching around to find something. Um, but yeah, we've had no shortage of stuff sent in by uh, by the audience this week, and really, there's only there's only one place to to start with that uh, with that TMO decision. So let's get your take on that, Craig. Did you see something that uh, that the rest of us didn't? Uh, I didn't see anything that the TMO saw. Put it that way, for me, <laughs> that, that, that was a try. Um, you know, the, the only thing I thought slightly was it was a knock on from from Steph Evans, but. Um, He's obviously he obviously sees no problem with that because they move away from that that actual moment and move on to the grounding. You know that's that's the part where obviously he's made that decision. But um, in terms of the grounding, I I I don't know how much more clear cut you can make it. If I'm honest, you know it's definitely downward pressure. You know, I, 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 I don't know if you remember many many years ago Mike Hall try against uh, yeah. England, where <laughs> but it was hardly any downward pressure. To be totally <laughs> honest. <laughs> Well, that's it. I was, do you know, what? I was racking my brains to try and think of, uh, to try and think of examples of, of ones where kind of, you know, the the most wafer-like touch has been enough to, for the try to be given. But that just looked so clear-cut to me. And I know actually some of the some of the stills can be quite misleading. And I yeah. think that's kind of the thing we we have in the age of social media, isn't it? Where you can kind of be misled by by one or two stills. But I've watched it back a million times, and there's nothing in there that suggests uh, that suggests it's not a try. No, as I say, you know, I was watching a scrum fight a little bit earlier on, and uh, Mr. Gus Guts is still saying uh, it's a knock-on. Um, you know, he hits his, his little pinky, Steph mm. Evans, slight just the touches, but for me, it goes back off his finger onto his leg. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, as I say, the, the TMO clearly thinks there's no problem with that because they move away from that um, incident and move on to the grounding. It's, it's the grounding that uh, he makes the decision on. Which, uh, which I'm, I'm mind-boggling, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. And the the other thing that I found quite strange, and if, uh, quite a few people have have pointed this out, and uh, yeah, Samantha Richards, one of our one of our Facebook users, was quick to point this out as well. Was it at the other end, Johnny May's try where he slid in? There doesn't seem to be much footage of him actually grounding the ball himself. No, absolutely. You know, when when he slid along, um, you know, they seemed to cut away, didn't they? Yeah. Um, and we didn't certainly wasn't instant ground, didn't put it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, that's, 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 a, that's a very poor TMO decision. Um, and uh, you know, you can't say it's changed the game because you know you, you, you don't know what would have happened, but it's, it's certainly would have made it very, very interesting. So. Well, that's something I was keen to get your take on as well because I think obviously if that happens in the uh, in the 80th minute when the clock's red, then 
you know, it's it's a very very different scenario. But 22 yeah. minutes into the game, you know, is it is it enough to say it would have? You know, how, how do you think that would have changed the the face of of that fixture? Yeah, it's really hard to say, isn't it? But obviously, you know, my take on that would have been, you know, you've, you've got a try on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know it's out on the test line, so who's to say we've got the conversion? But, you know, it's five points on the board and, you know, they're going in at half time. It's a different ball game for me. Um, you know, it, it's very hard to say. The thing I would say is obviously, you know, the Owen Farrell kick for the for the Johnny Mater is a fantastic kick. But, you know, if that try is given to Gareth Amscombe, the mm. kick that Pacho puts in across field, that's a, that's a beautiful kick, you know, and and all the doubts about Pacho's performance would have gone away with that particular moment, you know, if that try is given, so, you know, it, it almost has a, it almost compounds two issues, really, if you like, so, but... Um, yeah, it's a really interesting way of looking at it, actually, and I hadn't, hadn't really figured that figured that into the equation, because, you know, you kind of, you watch the whole game, you know, particularly Pacho kind of getting the the shepherd's crook, as it were, and yeah. and you think, oh well, he's he's had a bad game. You're right; that changes the perspective from a, an individual point of view as well as a as well as a team one. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he, you know, can't uh, can't hide the fact. You know, he he was struggling, but uh, you know, he was getting a lot of pressure on him, and it, it, the ball was getting it was very very slow as well. Back to him. You know, I'm not going to make any excuses for him, but. You know, one moment like that, and that, you know, we score a try, and suddenly he's on the front foot as well, and you know, breeze conference throughout the whole side. So, um, yeah, it, 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 we can't say it was the, it was the what, what changed the result, but um, it, it would so it made it very, very interesting. It would have done, yeah. So we're going to move on from uh, from the TMO, but a big thanks to everyone who who got in touch uh, on Facebook to uh, to vent their spleen a bit with that. So yeah, Linda Ornsby, uh, Tim Riley, Gene Williams, Steve Davis, Helen Bolton, and Lee York, who all did that. A um, couple of other things that, that have been brought up, and as you might imagine, there's more this week than usual with it being a, a Wales England clash. Um, yeah. But uh, quite a few people mentioning kind of Mike Brown's antics on the pitch, uh, you know, particularly an incident where he seems to be sneering at, at Scott Williams uh, after that that tackle from Sam Underhill. What did you make yeah. of that? Uh, it's Mike Brown, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, he's, he, I don't think he's many people's favourites if uh, you're not a Harlequins or an England fan. You know, yeah. he, he gets involved in things, you know, the, the Rugby World Cup at Twickenham. Um, you know, he, he was getting involved in a few things there and after the game, his uh, his interview, you know, that, that, you know, you've got to be a bit of a professional, and, and I thought he let himself down a bit there. But um, yeah, he, he's certainly not my favourite. I think he gets up the semantic he doesn't need to. But um, I, I will say he had a very good game yesterday, unfortunately. But, yeah, um, there's there's no denying that. I think he kind of it's very easy to see it because he he kind of it's very easy to paint him as the pantomime villain, really, just given the yeah. uh, what he's like, what he's like on the pitch. Um, but yeah, you touched on the the off the pitch stuff there with the post match interview that he did in in World Cup 2015, and I wanted to bring that back to to some of the the press antics that we've had this week, particularly from Eddie Jones, both before and after the game. And yeah, I think it's it's another kind of cause of irritation for quite a few Wales fans. Do you think he kind mm. of lacked a bit of class this week, Eddie Jones? Yeah, I do. I, I do think he did. I, I gotta be honest. I, I think he was a little. Bit, he was concerned. I, I think he, you know, I think he realised there was a, a big test for England. Um, and I think during the game as well, you could tell he was getting a bit flustered. And there's one time he came down out of the stands and was talking to a, 
his front row replacements are going to go on, mm. or, or, or as he calls them, his finishers. So, um, yeah, I, I do. I, I think he, I think he was a bit flustered. Um, you know, he's no down his his record as a coach, but um, yeah, I think there's a few things. I think I think in some cases I thought he's taking a little bit of hand because obviously you know people want to sell stories. Um, but the, the Alan Wynn thing, I, I didn't quite understand that. Um, the patch one I got a little bit more because yes, yeah. he is third choice, and and you want to put a bit of pressure, you know, on a guy who's coming to, to Twickenham. But the, Alan Wynn, Alan Wynn has been there and done it, you know. So I don't know why you get involved, you know, in, in, in what he did with Alan Wynn. But, but, but there you go. With the with the patch one, yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, like you you say, and as we kind of covered to a certain extent, he he certainly you know, he certainly didn't have his his best games. How much do you think that was down to uh, the mind games of Eddie Jones and how much of it was just down to the fact that the conditions didn't play into Patch's hands? I think it was more well, the conditions. You know, Reese Patchell, you know, has been a Cardiff Blues fan and watching a lot of him at the Scarlet. He, he doesn't really get flustered. He does struggle with slow ball. Mm. You, you know, he, he likes to be on the front foot, you know, as, as many number 10s do. You know, he, he he's a ball playing 10. You know, he likes to take it up to the line and and the ball was slow, you know. Gareth Davis was getting scragged a lot. He was also taking a few steps to clear the ball, and and the conditions certainly didn't help Patrick as well. You know, that I thought that our kicking game was poor um, on Saturday. You know, I thought the aerial game we, we were completely dominated, and I didn't quite understand where we were going with our, with our kicking game at times. But um, yeah, for me, it, it was more it was more Patrick's performance and more the conditions rather than Eddie Jones getting into his head, if I'm honest. Yeah, I, I think you. I think you pretty much hit the hit the nail on the head there, Craig. Right, bring uh, bring Simbin to a close then. As uh, as this week's guest, you have the honour of of deciding. So just to recap on the on the choices, we've got the TMO decision. Uh, we've got um, Mike Brown. We've got Eddie Jones. We've got uh, Johnny May's grounding. Uh, or indeed, you can you can choose something uh, you can choose something of your own. So it's up to you. What do you what would you like to condemn to the abyss this week? I, I think I have to go with the Polyphia on this one, really. Don't I? I, think <laughs> I have to go with the TMO. I, I can't see I can go anything else if I'm totally honest. That's it. Tempting it is to chuck Mike Brown in there. I think you've uh, I think you made a wise decision there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a TMO. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final part of the show, uh, we always like to have a roundup of some of the news from from. Uh, I guess the the other bits and bobs from uh, around the world of of rugby, in particular with with Wales, and uh, uh, I think you're probably best positioned to to help us do that, Craig. Um, okay. I know, you, I know you've uh, had one eye on the the regional games this weekend. We're keen to get a steer as kind of which players impressed you uh, throughout the course of those games. Yeah, I think there's some decent um, individual performances. You know, obviously we only had the one um, region winning, unfortunately Cardiff Blues. Um, you know the dragons. You know got a, a draw, which you know if you look at that, it was that's, that's certainly not a bad result. Mm. Um, Scarlets were very disappointing um, earlier on today. Um, you know they, they were totally outgunned. Um, and the Ospreys, well, they're just so inconsistent this season. You just you don't know one week from the next what's going to happen. Um, so uh, yeah, in terms of individual performances. Um, you know, as I say, there were some decent ones. Um, David Howells had a good game on the wing for the Ospreys. Mm. In, in, you know, he doesn't get many outings, so you know, it was good to see him play and playing really well. Halimenos was excellent for the Dragons at fullback. Um, you know, I, 
he, he's, he's certainly playing with confidence at the moment. He, he seems he seems to have more belief in himself, if I'm honest, watching him play this season. Um, he's always struggling with a confidence player, but he's really yeah. playing well. Um, and, and he's certainly got to be in the mix, I think, for the Island game. I, well, I know. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this because the there's some. Is so many, but uh... yeah, there's some people. <laughs> we've kind of gone from the start of the tournament, <laughs> kind of putting a back three together from kind of who's who's left over, and now as we head yeah. into to the third uh, the third round of matches in in a fortnight's time seems like there's there's a hell of a lot of issues in there do you do you think Alamemos you know is kind of will be able to do enough to force his way into that well it's tough isn't it because he's only got you know it's two weeks away the island game so um you know he's caught the eye certainly um playing you know on friday night um but yeah, he, he still think he's a little bit behind um you know some of the other players in, but um I don't think he let him down. I certainly don't think he let him down. You know, as I say, I've always been a little bit concerned about his defence, and mm. I, I think sometimes he's a bit hesitant um, when he gets the ball. But you, you know, he, he seems really confident at the moment, and uh, he's a good footballer as well, which which certainly helps in the back three, especially in his island. He was picked, you know, because Johnny Sexton has cross kicks. You know, he he, he wants his good under the high ball, and uh, you know, as I say, he's got a good kicking game as well. So uh, he, he certainly won't let Wales down. Yeah, no, I mean, I've. As, as you know, uh, I can tend to be a little bit one-eyed around uh, around Dragons' issues every now and again. But he's certainly a player who, you know, he he's got all the ball skills to um, to do it for Wales. And I think the the way that we played against Scotland in particular, you know, he would relish uh, a, a game like that because, you know, when he gets when he gets those opportunities, he's a great finisher. He's a, a fantastic broken field runner, and he's got you know he's got really good natural skill sets. So yeah, yeah it's, it's great to see him uh, have a good game on Friday night, and you know start to work his way back into form after a little layoff from injury. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's great to have uh, more competition for places. So uh, yeah, it'll be inter- It will certainly be interesting to see how Gatland goes in, in two weeks and what his selection is. Anyone else who stood out for you uh, across the regions over the weekend? Well, it's similar to what you said about Dragons. I can be a bit one-eyed with Cardiff Blues, but um, I, I, although Seb Davis, you know, again, he's, he's back playing. You know, he's been off a little bit of a viral infection. He, he was he was really really good um, on Saturday night. You know, he's he's a really strong physical lock. But he's a really good athlete as well. So, uh, you know, I, I think in the next year or so, he'll certainly be pushing for Welsh honours. Um, and and again, um, Nick Williams was really really good on uh, on Saturday night. You know, scored a try, and when you know, in defence, when he gets over that ball, I, I don't know why it takes the budget, If I'm honest, yeah. you know, he's he, he, he's just such a massive a person that you know, well, it's almost impossible to budge off that ball. So, uh, the other ones I, I would pick out if I was honest, looking at the uh, the games this weekend. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Seb Davis is another interesting one because, like we were saying with the back three, you kind of look back to last summer, and we were kind of scratching around for uh, for second rows to go on the the tour to um to where we Tonga and Tonga and Samoa. Yeah. yeah. And um now you look at it and you've got Corey Hill who's forced his way into the into the first team alongside Alan Wynne Jones. You've got Bradley Davis who's recovered his form fantastically. And then obviously you've got you've got Seb who looks to be a a brilliant proposition going into the future and you know some of the players like Beard and and the likes into the mix as well. So that does feel like a, a position where there is Starting to be some more uh, strength in depth. Absolutely, yeah. You know, Corey Hill has has amazed me. Um, you know, this autumn he came in and was you know, excellent when he replaced. You know, unfortunately, Jake Ball picked up that injury, 
and he's, he's gone strength and strength. You know, some of the tackles he made, you know, yesterday was superb. You know, in open play, it was one way to tap tackle. Um, I can't quite remember which English player it was, but he was through. You know, if, if Hill hadn't made that yeah. tackle, and, uh, and I know Gatland's you know, raves about him, so uh, you know, full credit to the guy. You know, I, I thought he's a bit of a stopgap, if I'm honest, but um, you know, he's there, he's there in merit, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it is really encouraging watching the likes of, of Hill and the VD, who, you know, again, both those players, you know, as, as much as I say I can be a bit one-eyed with the Dragons, you know, I did wonder whether he was able to, I thought he was a fantastic player of the Dragons, but I wonder whether he was going to be able to make that that step up. And, uh, you know, it just looks as though he's, he's really, really found his feet there in the same way that Navidi has done in the in the number seven shirt. Yeah, Navidi's been excellent. You know, I, I thought he was, he was physically strong again on, on Saturday. You know, he got at least one turnover, I remember. Mm. He carried well. You know, and again, going back, you know, being a positive, you know, we, we've, we've got a bonus point against the second best team in the world. And as you say, remember those uh, first 15 players before the Six Nations weren't playing. So there's, there's real competition with places and a number of uh, key positions now. So that can only be positive, you know, this Six Nations and building towards the World Cup. And as you mentioned earlier on, uh, being, a, being a Cardiff Blues fan yourself, the other big news this week has been more murmurings about the, the future of where the Blues are going, to be, are going to be playing their rugby and a potential leaving Cardiff Farms Park. How, what have you made of that story this week, Craig? It's a real shame. You know, there's, there's so many conflicting bits of information in here, but... Um, you know, the the major players and that just need to get together and sort it out. You know, it's been going on for at least 10 years of negotiations now. Um, and it, it doesn't seem to be any closer than, than 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is a real shame, you know, Cardiff Blues as, as a region, how, how they're supposed to you know, bring in new coaches and bring in players when they don't know where they're going to be playing. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a real mess, you know, behind the scenes and... Um, you know, the sooner they get sorted, the better. You you do wonder whether this is just a, a bit of a threat to try and move things along, you know, saying we will go elsewhere. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm unfortunately not close enough to to what is going on with the athletic club and, yeah. and with the Cardiff Blues themselves. But um, you, you just hope and pray that you can get together and, and, and resolve this issue, really. Yeah, you do. And it's 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 really interesting. You know, you you hear bits of, of tittle-tattle on social media kind of from both sides and people who are supporting, you know, the, the varying, yeah, the, the two varying parties on this and, and, and their position. Um, but I think it was it was kind of Paul Williams' tweet this week that kind of summed it up for me. And he kind of said, professional sport waits for no one. And that's the that's the stark reality of it, you know, is, is if you want to see a, a side playing, um, in the capital, this has got to get sorted, and sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I know there's, a, there's an AGM coming up next month, but um, yeah, they need to get down and sit them down together, and they just need to get sorted out. Well, yeah, hopefully that'll be the uh, that'll be the case, Craig. And hopefully, yeah, just a, just a quick word then before uh, before we let you go uh, about the website. So obviously we're, uh, we've, we've got a, a partnership running with yourselves this, uh, this season where uh, you've been kind enough to promote us. And obviously we'd like to, to give you guys a shout out on air as well because it's a fantastic website. Anything um, in particular we should be looking forward to, to reading about on a drive.co.uk? Yeah, as you say, you know, we've got a bit of partnership going. It's, you know, it's great to support you as well. So in terms of the website, yeah, there's been a lot of um, Cardiff Devils things going on in the last few weeks. Um, 
some of the guys, um, Julian Blackburn and Ollie Hampson, have managed to get a few interviews with a couple of Cardiff Devils players, yeah. um, which, have, which have been published. And, you know, we've been getting some really positive reviews on that. And the, the Cardiff Devils fans seem to be really enjoying those. Um, so, yeah, they've been going really well. Obviously, quite a few Six Nations things are going to be going up as the tournament goes along. Um, yeah, you know, it, the boys are enjoying watching you know, the different uh, sports in Wales and the, you know, the different level of success we're having. So um, I'm sure over the coming months we'll be you know, putting, our, putting our own thoughts around those um, around the sporting events. Well, yeah, as I say, it's a must for any uh, any fan of Welsh sports. So do make sure you check it out. But Craig, look, it's been brilliant chatting to you as always. Thanks very much for uh, for joining us on, uh, on a Sunday night and hopefully you'll get over the England game uh, and be able to get on with your week pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, that's also thanks for thanks for inviting me, Jet. Thank you. Cheers, Craig. So that's it for another week on the Attacking Scrum podcast. Hopefully, that's managed to brighten up the start of your week and take away a little bit of that bitter aftertaste of losing to England. Big thank you to my guests this week, to Yestin George and to Craig Muncie. And uh, thank you again for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, of course, feel free to do so on Twitter, at Attacking Scrum. Uh, you can do the same on Facebook, on either the Facebook page, which is Attacking Scrum, or the Facebook group, which you can find by searching for Wales Rugby Fans. We'll be back next week, so make sure you tune in and carry on listening to the Attacking Scrum. Mm-hmm.